We are in the middle of a short little mini-series that we are doing. We're calling it Faith, Family, and Finances. Because it, you know, finances affect families. Whether you are a family of one or whether you are a family of 19, it doesn't matter. Whether you have kids, you don't have kids, you're married, single, finances are a big piece of, of what's going on in, in in our lives and how we handle life. And so we're going to tie it together now with the idea, though, of what does the Bible say? Because the Bible speaks a lot about it. Typically in our study, well, if, you, you know, if you come normally, we usually go to a text. We like to do expository Bible preaching. This morning, we're actually going to be in the book of Proverbs, and we're just going to kind of jump around. So if you got your Bibles or you got your Bible app and you open it to Proverbs, we're going to get there. But really wanted to... Uh, just kind of lay the table. Last week we started with this idea that to understand finances and to work finances well, you've got to start with your why. Your why. What is your dream? Because your dream becomes your hope. Your why is what do you want to bring to this world? What positive benefit do you want to make? You know, if you could do anything to impact this world in a, in a positive way, what would that look like? You know, if there were no obstacles, what do you want to be doing 5, 10, 20 years? Now, here's the thing about your why. Your why's got to be noble. It, it can't just be about consumption. Well, I want to have a boatload of money and sit on a beach and, you know, waste away my years. That's, that's not noble. That's, that, that's something, you, you, at first, your wife, you ever get there, it won't bring what you think it will. And secondly, you probably won't sacrifice to get there. So it's got to be noble. Secondly, if you're married, it's got to be a shared dream. And then once you get to know your why, what you got to figure out is, okay, so what's the financial piece of that? Because every why has a financial component. If it's go to, you know, to be able to go and do missions, it's got a financial component. If it's to be able to invest in kids and grandkids, there's a financial component. So that's what I want to really talk about today. Now, here's the thing, folks. I have about 30 minutes here, all right? We are, we're not going to be able to cover everything. That's why I highly encourage you, if you have not taken Financial Peace University before, it's nine weeks, it's an hour each time, so nine hours going into this. In fact, this morning you're going to hear a lot of FPU because it's, it's biblical. And so kind of think of this as FPU light, but I would really encourage you, get signed up for a connect group. Or maybe you went through it years ago and you kind of go, ooh, we may need a refresher course. Make sure that you jump in on that. But I want to start with this. If we're going to build a financial plan, you've got to have a good foundation. The problem is, I would suggest to you that in our country, we have built the wrong thing for the financial plan, the foundation. The financial foundation that most people have is debt. And that is absolutely the wrong piece. So I don't know who takes FPU in our church. We've been doing it for about 12 years, but I just get big numbers. And so I was just kind of going back and I would, you know, and, and if the people have gone through a representative, most families that come into FPU take it here at Desert Springs, and some of them are outside of our church, but they come in with an average of $60,000 of consumer debt outside of mortgage debt. 
And their savings is usually only about $2,000. I believe that's about, if I could take 12 years and synthesize it, that's usually the picture. And that's just the wrong foundation because debt changes the way you do life. You see, when, when everything that comes in is already predetermined where it has to go. So we have spent our future in our past. We have determined back before our, our future because we sold it on the altar of the media. So Proverbs 22.7 says this, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower becomes the lender's slave. There is a, there's a piece to this that when we have already spent our money before it comes in, we now have no freedom. So something comes up or we begin to figure out that why. Well, before we can get to, get to the why, we've got to take care of what we've already done. There's no freedom in that. The other piece that happens in this is that with debt comes risk. And with risk comes stress. I came across a couple interesting statistics this week. One was this, that in America today, 78% of households live from one paycheck to the next. Basically, it means they have no savings. They're, they have debt. They're, they're, and, and so if one paycheck gets interrupted, all of a sudden life now is a mess. And you think of the poor federal workers that right now are, you know, not getting paid. And by the way, if you're one of those as a church, we, we want to stand with you. We want to help you. Make sure you talk to me or, or Pastor Sean. We, we want to be able to help you through this. We know that it's tough. But man, that, does that not bring a sense of stress to our lives? Another statistic is this. That 44% of households, if they had a $400 emergency in their life, which, by the way, depending on what kind of car you drive, could be a blown tire, <laughs> they could not handle that without going into debt. So now think of some of the other things we looked at. The number one cause for fights in marriage, the number one cause of divorce, are money issues. Because we have built on a foundation of debt. Debt brings risk. Risk brings stress. Now, some of us are old enough to remember 2008. And see, before 2008, and I'm, I'm talking to you young people that don't understand this, before that, all of our housing uh, equity was really going up. And so the banks started marketing this wonderful thing. It's short known as a HELOC. It's a home equity loan. Because you bought it, it was worth this. Now it's worth this. Why don't take the money out? You know, you can improve the house. You can put in the pool. You could take the vacation. I'm not going to ask all of us who bought those lies to raise our hands. What we didn't understand was, of course, it's debt. Well, we kind of understood it was debt, but it's kind of like your mortgage loan. No, it's not like your mortgage loan. Because guess what? 2008, your home value went down and all of a sudden they went, uh-oh, we told you you could borrow this much. You really can only borrow this much. We need you to send in the remainder. And everybody went, what? Whew. And all of a sudden, people lost. They lost houses. They were foreclosed on because with debt, there is risk. And it's a huge thing. Proverbs and 
It says this, do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debt. For if you have nothing with which to pay, why should they take your bed from under you? Some of you have been there. You know, you, you got a car payment, you're behind, you got to get to work, but you don't know tomorrow morning if you go out, your car's going to be there because it could be a repossessed. You don't know, know if they're going to garnish your wages. It brings risk. Debt is a terrible foundation to build on. And here's another thing. Debt steals your number one tool that you have to actually get to your why, which is your income. Because when you have already spent all your income before it comes in, you have no way now to be able to get to that piece of what God has called you to do. Your, your income is that number one thing that you have. And I tell you, especially when you start going into retirement, you talk about not wanting to have debt because now your, your income is going to become much more um, static. And so debt is the wrong thing. So what does wisdom tell us to do? So Solomon wrote the Proverbs, wisest man who's ever lived. What, what's the wisdom in this? Well, the wisdom is, of this is eliminate all debt as soon as possible. Uh, all consumer debt, as quickly as you can get out. If you take FPU, you're going to learn about baby steps. There are seven little baby steps. Baby step number two, I mean, it's right there at the front, is get out of all consumer debt. In fact, I got a great email this week from somebody who just was reflecting that they had taken FPU a few years ago and they had had a lot of debt. They were able to get out. Now life has has caused them to be able to have to help their mom and help other things. And and they go, man, without now having debt, we've been able to do all that. It gives you a chance to live. It's that freedom to be able to do that. So you need to to get out of all non-mortgage debt. Now mortgage is a little different. You want to pay your mortgage off as soon as possible, but it is a little different because mortgage, houses typically are the one thing that we invest in that actually do go up in value. So as we're paying it down, the value's going up. Cars aren't like that. They tell us that the average car payment today in America is something in the neighborhood of $580 a month. Yeah, make give you indigestion in the morning, wouldn't it? Here's the thing. You're paying $580 a month, but you know what? Your car value is actually dropping quicker than that. So you pay on a boatload of years. You think, I want to go get another car, and you go in, and now you owe money. House is a little different. But here's the thing. You want to pay off your mortgage as quickly as possible, too. Now, here's, here's the thing, folks. We have all I'm going to speak for all of us today. If you want to give me rebuttal, we'll talk after the service. But I would venture to say that all of us have made stupid decisions with money, all right? So let's just, we're all a part of that club. You know, a lot of what I'm telling you, I have learned the hard way. So since I have the mic today, I'm going to tell you about one of the most stupid decisions I ever made with money. We bought our house out here in Avondale back in 1995. This was the house with which we were going to raise our kids, and if you remember the 90s, we were coming out of the 80s, and one of the cool things was interest rates were going down. So in 97, I decided to refinance my house. And the first thing I told my mortgage broker, he was a really nice guy, good friend, I said, listen, I want this on a 15-year. Now, I didn't know anything about Dave Ramsey. I didn't know anything about FPU. I just it made sense. If I could pay it off in 15 years, that was good. He goes, why do you want to do that? I said, well, because I want to pay it off in 15 years. Yeah, but that gives you a higher higher monthly payment. 
I said, yeah, but I want to pay it off in 15 years. But he said, but you know, but it's going to make life harder. Oh, yeah. now, now, you know, I look at it today and I'm going, why was I even having the discussion with the guy? Because he kind of like worked for me. But, you know, I, I was a nice guy. And so I'm having this discussion. He says, here's what you do. You get a 30. Have you ever heard this? And you can just pay it like a 15. So the last minute, I, find, I just struggled with it. And I went, okay. You know, I had that mortgage for 15 years. I didn't pay a dime extra. You know why? Because on my little coupon, it said that number. That's what I wrote in my checkbook because every month that was the easy number to write. So fast forward, a lot of life in 15 years. In 2012, our kids are, are growing. They're hopefully getting out of the house. And Tammy and I decided it's time to downside, hopefully get the house for our forever future without kids. That part hasn't happened yet, but we're going to get there. When I sold my house, guess what? I still owed over half my mortgage on it. And I would have been completely debt-free on that house. Now, the house we bought was a little nicer house. We stepped up. But I could have had that paid off in a year and a half. So as Tammy and I are now dealing with, you know, I've talked to you last week about, you know, our thing about wanting to get kids through college. And, and now we've got our whys that we're trying to do. So for the last five, or, you know, four years, we've really, you know, we're pouring in trying to get this house paid off. It's taken, it's, and we're still, you know, life can happen. So maybe it won't happen this quick, but we're on a plan that in the next 12 or about 14, 15 months, we should have our house paid off. But it would have paid, paid off four years ago if we'd just done that on 15 years. So debt is the wrong foundation. Well, if that's the wrong foundation, what is the right foundation? The right foundation is savings. It's the opposite. Instead of going into debt, save up, pay cash. Let's look at some wisdom here. There's wisdom in savings, living on less than you make. This is what Proverbs says. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of who? Excuse me, the, the wise. But a foolish man swallows it all up. There's wisdom in putting money away. There's wisdom in saving. There's wisdom in not spending everything you make. There's wisdom in thinking about the future. The wise man, there's precious treasure stored up. Man, uh, there's wisdom in saving. There's wisdom in that. Not only that, an emergency fund is a beautiful thing to have. Man, to be able to have, you know, so the the tire blows up and guess what? You can go to discount and actually just pay cash and get a new tire. And you don't pay, you know, the tire for the next year. It's a wonderful thing. Again, Proverbs 20, or Proverbs chapter 6, he says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which, having no chief, no officer, no ruler, prepares her food in the summer, gathers her provision in the harvest. You prepare. You save up. Have you all met Murphy? You all know Murphy, right? Murphy, whatever can go wrong, will. And a close corollary to that, it will go worse at the wrong time, right? You know, it's, it's kind of like the idea that uh, you know, last summer we went on vacations, you know, and vaca- we took some family vacations are kind of expensive. I get home, my water heater went out. Now, why my water heater didn't go out in a month when I hadn't already expended? I don't know. It's when it happens. 
That's Murphy. Did you know that Murphy has three cousins? They tend to travel in a pack. His three cousins are broke, desperate, and stupid. And I've met them all. You know, so you're in the middle of summer. Your AC goes out. Why doesn't the AC ever go out in the winter? You know, you got a couple months, save up, pay for it. It's in the summer. If I don't get this fixed in two days, we're all going to cook to death here. So now we're going to buy, you know, we're going to go buy this and we're going to finance it out. And, you know, and it's forever. And when you start finally, you know, this, this air conditioner costs five grand. By the time we pay for it, it's going to be 12, 13 grand because we financed it. And it's just an emergency fund when you can sit there. And I'll tell you, I didn't write, like writing the check for the hot water tank. But the beautiful thing was I just could. You know what? Just get it fixed. We'll have hot water. And I have to think about it again. So you've got to save. And what you need to save, let me go back here. What you really need to save is, first of all, in FPU, as I mentioned, baby step two is paying off all your consumer debt. Baby step one is actually just getting a little, small starter emergency fund, $1,000. Now, we'll be honest, $1,000 doesn't go a long way today. I get that. But you blow a tire, it'll take care of that. You, you, your battery dies, it'll take care of that. You, you, your little kid's sick, you've got to run them to the doctor, it'll take care of that, it'll get you through that. Now, once you get all your consumer debt paid off, then you're going to run that emergency fund up to three to six months worth of expenses. Can you imagine today what you, how you would feel this morning sitting here if you had no debt but your mortgage and you had six months worth of expenses so that if you walked in tomorrow and got fired, you had six months worth of expenses sitting there in your bank account? Life would be Okay. So you need to save. You need to save. But you also need to save for retirement. You need to save for this legacy piece. This is what Solomon tells us. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. You need to save. You need to think about the future. Now, I've talked to people. I don't understand where they're coming from. But they have this idea that I'm going to retire and live on Social Security because I pay into it. And I've actually asked a few times, but it's like, okay, so our government, which is what now, $20 trillion in debt, known for its way it handles money so well, is going to take care of your retirement, huh? That's, that's not a good plan. A good man leaves an inheritance, you got to save. And there's so many ways to do it. And so many, you know, you start putting it away. And again, if, if, you're, if you're older like me and you're just getting on it, man, it's time to get on it. And it's never too late. I don't care how old you are to start trying to save for retirement. You know, cutting your budget back, putting money away for, for what's yet to come. If you're young, though, man, now is the time. If you begin to understand this idea of compound interest. So my, my middle son, JJ, a couple years ago, he's turning 25. He's starting to work. Oh, he's been working. But I started talking to him about retirement. And I explained to him about Roth IRAs. You know about Roth IRAs? Roth IRAs, are, you, they're not like a 401k that goes in before your check so it's, it's untaxed. You, you bring it home so it is taxed, but now you put it in and it grows tax-free. So I ran the numbers. You're limited. It was 55. This year it's actually up to $6,000 a year. 
you can put into this. So I ran the numbers for them. So if you start at 25 and you put six away and you do that and then when you're 50, you can actually up that to 6,500. At 65 years of age at a 10% interest rate, now again, people kind of wonder about that. You put it in mutual funds. You know, the stock market has good years, bad years. Last year's a bad year. The year before that was a great year, you know, but the stock market has average, what, 11%, I think, over its, its history. So I figured it at 10%. So, J.J., you do this, put this in every year, and do it a little bit of each month. When you turn 65, you will have over $3 million sitting there that's tax-free. Now, again, I don't mean to be political. I think we should pay our taxes that we have to pay, but if I don't have to pay them, I'm good. And my son has a heart for the missions. Do you think he could go anywhere in the world and do any mission work when he's 65 if he had $3 million and no debt? See, that's what saving is about. It's about saving for retirement, but it's also about this piece of of your dream, your why. How how do you want to impact the world? You want to go travel? You want to to go serve in other places in the world? You want to be able to give? I I don't even have time to tell you uh, the story. I I had a little more time in the 8 o'clock because their worship team went shorter. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I'll hear about that. That's okay. But I have a friend whose church just had an anonymous donor give them about $9 million to build a new campus to reach their community better for Christ. Wouldn't that be a cool why? They don't even know who it is. Just wanted to bless them. Just wanted to make a difference for the kingdom of Christ. You know, you need to save for your why. I got to be honest with you. Tammy and I, you know, I told you a little bit about our why. But one thing we've even been kicking around is we got grandkids coming up. And I don't know if we'll get here. Jury's still out. We started a little later than we probably should have. Uh, but I got thinking, wouldn't it be cool? Because I started running those numbers on that Roth IRA. And you can't put in until you actually have an earned income. But as a family, we start, you know, our kids usually start working when they were in high school. I got realizing that if I funded three years, you know, when my grandkids get there, the first three years they work, if I could fund their Roth IRA when they turn 65 and they never put another dime in, when they turn 65, they have a million dollars. Would that be a nice way to remember Bapa and Nanny <laughs> that they could now give and bless and minister to others? need to know your why. So how do you build that foundation of savings? There's two pieces to this. The first one is hard work. Hard work. Now most of us get that. I will be honest, there are some people in our society that don't get this piece. They don't get this piece. This is what Solomon tells us. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And guess what? Your poverty will come upon you like a vagabond. It's going to come upon you like an armed man. It's going to overtake you. You got to work. You know, this idea that somehow society owes this to us or that we, you know, somebody else's responsibility. No, we, you got to work. We, we, every year, it's not, I don't recommend the movie, but it is a little family thing. We watch Christmas Vacation, right? And Cousin Eddie shows up, remember? <laughs> remember Clark and his wife are talking about, you know, seven years he can't get a job? Well, he's holding out for management. 
Funny thing is I've met Cousin Eddie multiple times. Well, this job's not good enough. This job doesn't do this. This job, you know, man, a little too much. You've got to work. In fact, there are seasons in your life where honestly you've got to, you know, there's multiple jobs. You know, again, we, we have this idea that somehow there's something, you know, it's all about our life. But man, what if we paid a price today for tomorrow, for our why? What if we needed to get out of debt so we took an extra job so we could speed up that process so now we could get on to saving for the why? It's not forever, but hard work is a piece of this. And then it's the budget. A budget is essential. You've got to make every dollar now work for you instead of you working for the dollars to be able to pay the bills. Now you know the why, so you give every dollar a name and you make them do what you want to. And my son just got his W-2 today. Have you ever at the end of the year got your W-2 and looked at that number and go, where on God's green earth did that money go? Well, see, a budget doesn't bring you to the point of wondering where it went. It, it's a budget is telling the money where to go. And so you've got to create a budget. Now, a budget is like a four-letter word for some people because in their mind, it's all about saying no. It's not about that. Yeah, sometimes it is. I can't do that. That doesn't fit into the budget, but it's about also about saying yes. In fact, this last week, what was it? My wife came, oh! ladies Bible study started. Yeah, how can you go to the first day of ladies Bible study without a new outfit, right? (laughs) And especially my wife because she actually had nothing to wear in her closet. Or so I was told. And uh, so she shows up. Now the funny thing is she has actually seen the budget at the beginning of the month because we'll talk about this. We do this together. She actually has it on her phone. But, you know, but she comes to me. She goes, I have nothing to wear for Bible study tomorrow. Is there any cl- money in the clothes budget? I want there is. She was happy as a clam. She went out. She bought. She looked cute as a peach. I was happy because guess what? I spent that money back before the money month started when I put it in the budget. There's no stress on me. There's no stress. We had a happy home this week. (laughs) That's what a budget will do for you. And the heart of getting a budget is this. You've got to get the priorities right. It's not a, you know, when you start to make your budget, it's not about the debt. The first four things you've got to deal with are the four essentials of life. Keeping a roof over your head so the mortgage, the light's on. Food, you've got to be able to eat and feed your family. Transportation, because you've got to get to your job. So getting that car payment, putting gas in the car. And basic clothes, just to, you know, so you're presentable so you don't lose your job. And think about it. Most all of us can cover those four things with what we make. And if you start your budget with that, somebody has said that everything else is kind of like a big monopoly game. We can typically cover those things. That's how you start doing with your budget. The best way to do it is called a zero balance budget, which is just simply... You start at the beginning of the month. You determine, you know, how much do we think we're going to make this month? Most people know what that is. Some of you don't because you do sales, you do other things. Well, you know, 
you've done this for a while. What do you think? And if you want to undershoot that a little bit, great. Then make your budget. Again, you start with food, shelter, clothing, transportation. You set up your budget. Then you figure out if I get a little bit more, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after this bill. I'm going to go after that bill. Uh, by the way, everydollar.com, if you, if you need a budgeting app, it's free. It's out there. If you do FPU, they'll actually give you a f- one-year subscription so it'll download from your bank for free. Everydollar.com, it's a great budgeting tool, but you've got to budget. Now, here's the thing. If you're single, you are blessed <laughs> in this regard. The only person you got to get to sign off on that budget is you. If you're married, it's got to be shared. I've shared with you before, if I was single, there would be no clothing budget, right? You know, every four or five years, you go down, you get a new pack of underwear at Sam's, you're good, right? (laughs) You would get the same Steve every week. My wife thinks boring, I think consistent, Now, if my wife was single, there would be no money in the food budget. Because A, she doesn't eat much, and B, it's just not important to her. But guess what? It's not just her budget and my budget. It's our budget. So we have to work it together. And we have to, so every month we sit down and we go, hey, here it is. And we go over it before the month and we agree to it. And then if something comes up, we have a, you know, one of those little emergency budget meetings that usually happens in the kitchen. Hey, we got this. Okay, well, what can we take it from? And then we move it around. So you got to do that together. And let me just finish with this. How then do you finance your why? Because that's really the heart of it. Okay, so your why, how are you going to impact the world? How are you going to do what God created you to do? So you get your why. Well, With savings as a foundation, how much are you going to need to be able to live your why? What is that going to take? Whatever that is. I don't know what your why is, but what would that take to live? The second piece of information you got to have is, is there any preparation that I need to pay for? Maybe I need more schooling. Maybe I need to move someplace. You know, maybe your why is you want to live by your grandkids. But guess what? They live someplace else. So there's going to be moving expense, kind of one-time thing. So what are those one-time costs that I've got to incur to get to my why? The third piece of information is, is how far out in the future do I want this to happen? Is this something I'm wanting in six months, a year? Is this a 10-year goal, a 20-year goal? So you get your time framework, then you take those three pieces of information and you plug them in to the reality of today. And I'm going to suggest for you, if you've got debt, it's easy. This is where I want to be. This is what it's going to cost. This is the time framework. So today, the first thing I need to do is start getting out of debt. Gives you your steps. It's a really easy thing. Now, I want to finish with this. Because the truth is, We've all made big mistakes with money. I've already said that. I, I just want to make you, put you at ease. Because I don't want you sitting there thinking that God maybe is somehow mad at you because you screwed up. No, he's not mad at you. Or that somehow God's angry with you. Or that God won't bless you because you just made bad decisions with money. Folk, I need to remind you today that you, you know, we're talking about our why. You are his why. He loves you. Nothing, I don't care what financial decisions you've made in the past. 
He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. Does he want you to live by his principles? Yes, because he knows that's the best way. He wants, though, to have relationship with you, regardless of what's in your past, regardless of what mistakes that you've made. He loves you. And if you've not come to put your faith and trust in him, that's where it all begins. And he makes you his child, and he forgives you and gives you that promise of eternal life. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in you, to know you, to walk with you every single day.